Welcome to Just a Jew in the College, a podcast geared towards empowering and inspiring Jewish college students. I'm Dossie Van, a sophomore at the University of Florida. I've realized that between trying to live an authentic Jewish lifestyle on campus, strengthening your campus community, and setting yourself up for success in your studies and career, there are so many challenges that Jewish students are facing. My goal in putting these conversations on the air is to not just highlight these challenges, but the ways in which students across the country are overcoming them or making the most out of it. I hope that Bezrat Hashem, we could all gain some chizuk and support through these conversations. Thank you so much to Tani Greengart for joining me on this episode. Tani is a senior at Rutgers University studying physics, hoping to pursue a career in mechanical engineering. He's an outstanding leader, both formally and informally, in the Rutgers Orthodox community with his most notable contributions to Torah learning on campus. In addition to having served multiple positions on the Rutgers Missoula board, he is the president of the RU Wind design team at Rutgers. And let's not forget, he's one of the 5783 National Hillel Torah Bowl champions. When I first started brainstorming ideas for this podcast, I wrote down names of students and something unique that they were doing. One of them didn't even say Tani Greengart, it just said Tani teaches Torah on Tuesday, a student-led chabura that a friend of mine at Rutgers had told me about. Having met Tani at Torah Bowl the past two years, it was obvious he was very knowledgeable in Torah. But through this interview, I learned how committed he is to engaging students with Torah learning on campus and how passionate he is about teaching Torah in college. So let's get into it. Welcome, Tani. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode. To start us off, could you please tell us a little about yourself? Yeah. Hi, my name is Tani Greengart. I go to Rutgers University in New Brunswick, New Jersey. I am a senior studying applied physics, and it's great to be here. What do you want to do with applied physics? Hoping to go into mechanical engineering. Wait, so how come you didn't go into mechanical engineering directly? This is a question that has two answers. The answer that I give to prospective employers is that having physics and then I take some engineering classes also, the combination of the two of them gives me a, a conceptual understanding, also a more applied understanding that I think helps me do engineering better. The real answer is that the Rutgers School of Arts and Sciences gave me a very nice offer. <laughs> so are there ways to become a practicing engineer without an engineering degree? Like I'm personally a mechanical engineering student, and I've always been given the impression that you need an engineering degree to practice engineering. I sure hope I can. I've taken a lot of engineering so the thing that I'm going for is if I have all the practical knowledge that an engineering student would have, then hopefully they won't care too much which letters it says on my resume. So because you're a senior, do you have anything lined up for next year? I have a summer internship for the summer, which hopefully will turn into a full-time role, and we'll see. Amazing. You haven't had any official leadership position on the Rutgers Student Board, is that correct? That's partially correct. I have not had a, an official role on the Hillel-wide Student Board. I have had several positions on the Orthodox Community Board, Misora. So I've had several positions on the Misora Board. Um, I have not had any positions on the Hillel-wide Board. 
And that was very much deliberate. <laughs> so many students say that you are the de facto leader of the Orthodox community. Why have you been so motivated to work so hard, even if it officially wasn't your job to be said leader? First of all, I'm flattered for whoever said that I was the de facto leader of the Orthodox community. I think perhaps my main motivator is recognizing that something needs to be done and then doing it, even if it wasn't my official role. I mean, I, as I said, I have had several official roles, but an example of something I did even when it wasn't my official role, particularly as it pertains to Torah learning, which has been a lot of the things that I've done as a student leader on campus, was last spring I started a Kohelet Chabura. It was a seven-part series where I presented a couple of chapters of Kohelet, of Ecclesiastes, and I felt like we should have more students teaching Torah, so I did it, even though that wasn't part of any particular job I did. We have what we like to call at Rutgers Awkward Hour, which is especially when Shabbat is later, or there's often a disconnect between the time Shabbat dinner starts and the time that the Orthodox community davens on Friday nights. So we have time in between between davening and dinner that we call awkward hour. And I thought we should do something during that awkward hour. We could teach Torah. That would be a great opportunity. So my now fiance and I started giving chaburot on different stories of the Talmud and of the Midrash, just taking up that time because we saw there was an opportunity there. I'm not sure I've gone through the positions I have had. So I've been the co-education chair for the Misora community that's organizing Torah learning events on a weekly basis. I was the gabai for two and a half years. I worked with several other gabai to run the daily and weekly prayer services. Now I'm the special initiatives chair, and we can talk a little bit about what that means later. But in terms of my education role, uh, my, my baby, the event that I'm most proud of, is Open Beit Midrash, which is on Sunday nights, we have pizza and the Beit Midrash is open and anybody who wants to learn Torah can do so. There's no lecture, there's no structure. People just come and learn by themselves or with their friends. And it's such a simple event idea, but I wanted to recreate the sort of the sound of Torah that I had in Yeshiva, where you walk into the Beit Midrash and it's loud because there's so many different pairs of people all over and they're all learning their own thing. They're not, they're not doing the same thing. Each person is doing their own. But when you add the sum total of all of that, it creates like a sound of Torah. And I wanted to see if we could bring that to Rutgers. I talked to a bunch of different people as to how we could make that happen, different types of events that maybe, maybe would work. I talked with several people at Rutgers. I talked with some people at different campuses through Yavne. We wound up with Open Bay Midrash. We started that at the beginning of last year, and it's still going, even though I'm not in charge anymore. I think it's one of the best events that we have during the week, and I'm very proud of that. So what about an Open Bay Midrash program really encourages people to come learn? As in, is your Beit Midrash or library, whatever you call it on your campus, is it open throughout the week and students can come learn freely? Or is that a set-aside time when it is open? And if it is open freely throughout the week, then what about that time is really encouraging students to come learn? Right, so that's the funny thing, because the Beit Midrash is always open, and people can come and learn whenever they want, and some people do at other times. But A, the pizza. College kids like food. 
And B, I think the environment where everybody's doing it is really attractive to people where you walk in and you're not the only person learning or there's not two people trying to have competing hover toad and take up the space, but everybody's there, that it becomes the thing that people do. And there are people I know who don't step in foot in Hillel any other time of the week, but at Open Midrash, they go. It's very important just to have set aside time to learn Torah. And for me, I know this year, thank God, I've been much more successful at setting aside time for my own Torah study. But last year, what I would do is I would just designate any Chabad event, especially the ones that are Torah-based, like Pizza Parsha. And we have pretty much what you would consider an open Josh period we call Yeshiva night. So like Yeshiva night was like one of my favorite nights of the week. And I would just go in, take like a new Chavrusa or learn with a couple of girls every week. And we just literally pick up something new every week. And to have that set aside time where a bunch of people coming together to be in a room full of other people learning Torah is very special. And it's definitely hard for other people to set aside so much time for learning. But when you kind of come together and do it, it makes it a lot more motivating. I also just uh, wanted to mention, because last year, my rabbi, and I cannot imitate the voice he did it in, but he goes, Dossie, do you have a place where you could just like learn in like a loud bait midrash and scream? The fact that you're like creating that environment that you had in yeshiva is very special itself. Yeah, and bringing that back to the original question, I think that's an opportunity that I noticed that we could do something about, that we could create an environment where people would be comfortable coming and learning. And people of very different backgrounds come to this. Some people you know, spent two years in yeshiva and some people never opened a Jewish book before coming to Rutgers. They can all come to the same space because there's no programming. There's no assumed level of knowledge that you have. It's just you can come in with the rest of the community and you can eat pizza and you can open up whichever book suits your fancy. Do you find that students go in and they really just can like self-start or pick up Chavrusa and, you know, obviously, like you said, people are coming in at different levels, but for our Yeshiva night program, there were times when like the rabbi wasn't sure if all the students felt comfortable just like sitting down and picking up a Chavrusa. Because of that, sometimes he would just do a sheer and it did kind of flip it from that independent style to that little more top-down approach. But do you find that students even if they're coming in at a much lower learning level or less background, that they're able to really just like sit down and jump into it? So I think it depends. It depends, A, who they're learning with, and B, what they're trying to learn, because we have a wide variety of books in our Bit Midrash. Many of them are written in English and don't require so much background. But for people who are trying to break into topics that they don't necessarily have a background in, we have plenty of other learning events during the week. This is only this is only one of our events that we have during the week. And we have many other opportunities for people to learn in new ways that they haven't done before. But I think keeping the Open Bay Midrash as a very independent time is good, especially for the people who do have that background. Are there students who pick up a chavrusa that may have less of a background than them and kind of like teach that other person? Or do students usually prefer to find someone at the same level as them? I think people usually prefer to find people at the same level as they are. 
if not the same level as they are people they're friends with, because that just makes it easier for things to get going. Can you tell us a little about what it's like teaching Torah on a regular basis as a student and fitting that into your schedule, with especially with the prep work that might take and trying to find a time that works for other people? Yeah, it's for sure a challenge. The first challenge is just finding a time in the week when people are available. We are very blessed at Rutgers to have many events, even just the events at Hillel and Chabad. If you add those together, you'll be busy every night of the week. Just a new time slot to, to fit that in can be difficult. And then finding the time in, in the week absolutely is difficult to prepare. In a lot of ways, that's one of the best parts of it, that if I commit to giving over a Chabura in Torah at a certain time, I have to be ready. Otherwise, people aren't going to get what they came for. So that forces me to do all this research beforehand. And then I learn more, and then I get to present that, and then other people learn more. So it's beneficial all around. It does take time, and you have to you have to plan for that. But I think it's it's doable, and it's it benefits everybody. Someone told me that you actually made a seum on all of Tanakh. Can you tell us a little about that, but also add in some? Kind of like, what does your daily learning schedule look like? It's, I'm sure it doesn't look the same every day, but some of the things you like to learn yourself on a more consistent basis. Yeah, for sure. When I was in Yeshiva, um, I went to Gush, by the way, Yeshiva Haaretzion. When I was in Yeshiva, I think around April or May of the year I was there, I asked one of my rabbis, what should I do to prepare for going to, quote unquote, the dreaded secular college? I didn't word it in that way. But what should I do to prepare myself such that I can succeed religiously, even when I'm in an environment when that's not part of the curriculum? And one of the things he told me, which I then did, was start an amount of learning each day that's small enough to be manageable, but large enough that it'll build into something over time. So I started learning one chapter of Tanakh and five Mishnayot every day. And then each one of those, at least theoretically, takes me about 15 minutes. So it's very easy to find 15-minute time slots throughout the day. Maybe I get to class a little bit early. Maybe in the morning I have half an hour before my first class starts or in the evening. It's very easy to just find all that time that might otherwise be wasted and devote it towards something more meaningful. So I've been doing that since spring of 2019. You know, if you do one chapter a day for a few years, then eventually that builds up into something. And that's how I've done it. So you started it in college or while you were still in yeshiva? I started when I was in yeshiva and I've continued through my college career. How long did it take you? So I started with Yehoshua in, I think, February 2019. Then I continued through the Nevi'im, through the Ketuvim, through the writings then back around through the Torah. Each time I would finish a book, I would go back to the beginning of that book and do it again and make it like a little review sheet for myself so that I'd remember it better. And then I finished everything sometime last fall. So that was two and a half years, three years. I can't do math. Okay, so for all our listeners who are planning on making a Siam Hatanach, this is the key. You do it 15 minutes a day for two and a half, three years, and you'll get there. 
Yeah, and I would say that my best motivational tactic for that is I put each day's learning in a notification on my phone, and I don't let myself dismiss the notification until I've done it. And that usually works. I happen to be right now about a month behind on my mission learning, which is not great. And I've been a month behind for, I think, since Rosh Hashanah. <laughs> but one day I'll catch up. Yeah. <laughs> Do you often find that you're doing your learning at the very end of the day or... Do you try and do it much towards the beginning of the day? Is it somewhere in the middle? This is varied depending on when and what my schedule was at the time. I try not to do it at the very end of the day because anything that happens at the very end of the day is the most likely thing to not happen because I'm tired, my brain is off, I just need to go to sleep, or I just need to do something that doesn't require any active thought. So it's better for me to do it earlier in the day. Sometimes that doesn't happen, and I just try to get it done as, as well as I can. It's not a perfect system. So your personal learning, is it still just the daily Tanakh and Mishnayot? Or are there other things you like to learn, either by yourself or with Chavrusa? In my daily learning is still just the Tanakh and the Mishnayot. I intentionally don't want to do too much. Mm-hmm. I don't want to take on too many commitments because then I won't be able to do them. And then I'll feel bad that I wasn't able to do them. And then even the things I was doing, I won't do anymore. Keeping it small, I think, is important. There are other things I like to learn on a less frequent basis. I would love to learn more Gemara than I have, but I haven't really done as much of that as I'd want to. Is it true that you're a student leader of an engineering club at Rutgers? This is true. I'm currently the student president of RU Wind, which is the Rutgers Collegiate Wind Competition team. Can you tell us a little more about what they do? So we are, we have three segments of the team. One part is building a model wind turbine. One segment is planning a theoretical wind farm, what type of turbines to use, and then financial analysis of that. And then the third part of the team is doing public relations and social media and trying to get the word out to everyone that this is the thing that we're doing. So what does your leadership role within the club look like? So I was the first student on the team. This is the first year that we've been a team. My faculty advisor approached me over the summer and said, look, here is this wind competition. And I said, nice. And he said, we should join it. And I said, nice. And he said, and you'll be in charge. And I said, Nice. So that's how I got to be in charge. I used to call myself the student lead. I don't think student lead sounds quite prestigious enough, so now I call myself the student president. I essentially, I oversee all the three sub-teams, make sure everyone knows what they're doing. I also do a lot of administrative things. And I've also been, I've been because I have an applied physics background, I've been more involved in the turbine design team, figuring out which parts we need for the turbine and how to test them. That's been my role. Right. So student design teams often take a big time commitment, like much more than just a regular meet once a week kind of club. And clearly you're like very committed to learning Torah, teaching Torah, attending other Jewish activities on campus. How do you manage the two of those together on top of your coursework? Yeah, so that's a good question. And I've definitely had many time commitments this year. This is my senior year. And if I were still co-education chair, if I were still the Gabai, 
I definitely would not be able to also manage being on this wind competition team. I stepped back from a lot of my official leadership roles in the community over the course of last year, partially because there were other people who were capable and willing to do them, partly because they were taking up too much of my time and I needed I needed a break. This semester, well, this year, I've been the special initiatives chair for Rutgers Masora, which is more of an advisory role because I've been involved in this community long enough. I was here before COVID. I was here during COVID. I was here after COVID. I've seen the types of programming that we run. I know what works and what doesn't. So I, I advise the Misora co-chairs whenever they have questions, but I'm not directly involved in planning events. And that gives me more time to focus on perhaps pre-career pathways. So you're like the programming consultant. Yeah, <laughs> you could say that. Yeah. So now that you're a senior, is it has it been much more of a focus for you to focus on like pre-professional aspects? I'm not sure that happened deliberately. I'm part of a fellowship that I started over the past summer, a research fellowship in wind energy. And that also extended over the course of this year. And I've been trying to get a job. So I think it's important that we have both the religious and communal leadership, but also don't neglect one of the most important reasons you're in college in the first place. That's very true. I think there definitely are students that put a lot of time towards the the Torah learning and then the Jewish. And it's like, great, you know, but like it could come to the point where it's hard to prioritize which comes first. I think a lot of people, especially at the beginning, they either like flip like one way or the other, where they're either like, okay, I'm putting all the pre-professional stuff first. I'm going to, I'm joining three different clubs or design teams. I only see the Jews on Shabbos, you know? And then there's the other people who are like, I'm going to every Torah learning event throughout the week, hanging out, blah, 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 and Shabbos, Geschmack. <laughs> like, so it's hard to find the balance. I think as time goes on, there's a little of a shift. And I think as time really goes on, there might be like a big shift in priorities for a lot of people, especially just in that pre-professional direction, which might not necessarily be a bad thing because like you said, like it is the real reason that you're in college in the first place. I think that you have to get to do two things. You have to really sit down and think about what your values are and what your priorities are. Then you have to figure out how to actualize those values in ways that are sustainable. If I were to say I'm going to I'm going to do morning seder and I'm going to do night seder and I'll try to fit in my classes in between, it's a great aspiration. And as an aspiration, as an ideal to aspire towards, like how much Torah can I fit into one day? I think it's important to have those ideals in our head. But when it comes to the day to day, you can't bring yourself out. You can't take on more responsibility than you can handle. And if you do, then you need to step back because if all of your pre-professional stuff is coming at the expense of your Torah learning, then you're not going to be satisfied. And if all of your Torah learning is coming at the expense of your professional life, then you're not going to be satisfied either because then you graduate and then you can't support your family. So you have to find some way to keep the balance. So I'm trying to start a new thing on the podcast where we do a challenge question, right? 
as in people's campuses look very different from one another and you happen to go to a big campus. So we're going to give you a challenge question of how do you accomplish this or how might you try to accomplish this on a smaller campus? So you ready? I'm ready. I'm a little scared, but I'm ready. (laughs) So some people have told me that at Rutgers, there's a decent sized group of boys and girls who on a Friday night, it's not even necessarily, they're not just going to like go out and like go to like some big like frat party or something, but is a group of people that will just like chill, sing some mirrors, share different Torah, just like engage in some like higher activities. Then you have other campuses where the big Jewish scene Friday night could be that like everybody's in one space and there's just things that you don't really want to be dealing with. Like if everybody's in one big party and that just becomes like the designated social scene. And like, even though it might not be a full on frat party, there's still things like alcohol and God knows what else that's just like unavoidable. If let's say that's, that's where everybody is. Right. So let's say somebody on a smaller campus wants to create an alternative to that. And they might not get 20 boys and girls who are interested in something else but let's say they want just like a couple people to maybe if they do want to sing Zemiros or learn some Torah Friday night or just chill without other stuff involved how do you suggest they try and put that together a little it's probably going to be like informal but to just find a group of people that are going to be interested in that first of all let's not pat ourselves on the back at Rutgers too much there is a group of people that sings Mirod, but I wouldn't say that they then spend the rest of the night engaged in intensive Torah study. It looks more like socializing in Chabad. But granted, I agree with you that that's very different than going to a party. And I think it's funny that when we talk about secular college, the perspectives on it can be totally different. Like I'm at Rutgers now, and from the perspective of perhaps some of the people I went to yeshiva with, it's like a, it's a spiritual wasteland. There's no, there's no morning Seder. How can you survive without morning Seder? But from the perspective of someone who goes to a university that has much less Jewish life, Rutgers is a spiritual paradise. We have so many programs, so many committed Orthodox students. And I think it's funny the way the same thing can be viewed from completely different perspectives. And I'd say that when I was a freshman straight out of yeshiva, my perspective was a lot more, I don't know, negative, but I felt like I needed a lot more maybe infrastructure in order to succeed. And I tried very hard to create a social group around myself my freshman year that shared the same Torah values that I did. I thought that was very important to me that I really needed a group of friends that valued the same things that I did in order to survive in this spiritual wasteland of secular college. But I realized a couple of things. First, the it didn't work. The group of people that I thought was a cohesive friend group wasn't. <laughs> and I also realized that I didn't need that. I don't need a whole community, a whole society that shares my values. I really just need a few people and I can talk with and learn with and share struggles and aspirations with. That's one thing I realized. And the second thing is that 
you can be the leader to start these things. The fact that there's no program doesn't mean there's nobody interested in going to one. Maybe all there needs to be is one person to stand up and say, I want to start not necessarily a formal program, but just I want to start singing Zmirot at my Friday night Shabbat dinner table. You could start that and maybe it'll catch on and people will want to do it with you. But I would say that there is a red line to a certain extent. Like I think for me personally, if I didn't have a place to dive in Shachrit every day with other people, I don't think I would be able to stay. That, that, that for me personally is very important for halakhic reasons, but also just for starting my day from a familiar and meaningful place. I know that not everybody has the same red lines. Some people are much more comfortable in environments with much less infrastructure, and some people need more. And I think if you're a person and you realize that the infrastructure at the place that you are is so far from what you need that you're not going to be able to make up the difference, then I think it's a respectable decision to say, this place is not for me. But I think if you can make a difference, I think that would be very meaningful. That's a really good answer. (laughs) All right. So thank you so much, Tawny, again, for taking the time to do this. Do you have any last final remarks for the listeners? Yeah, I would say that when it comes to Torah study, but also religion in general, but also really everything in general, the important balance is between being content with yourself the way you are now and wanting more for yourself. And I think when I was in yeshiva, I learned how to grow, learned how to aspire for more, but I wasn't necessarily content with myself the way I was in any given moment. So I think when you're in college or really anywhere, and you want to be a a leader, and you want to do new things and do more things, it's important to make sure you're doing things because you want to, not because you couldn't live with yourself if you didn't do them. Sometimes it might be too much and you need to step back, and sometimes you might not be doing enough and you need to step forward. Having a vision of what you want for yourself or having a vision of even other people at other universities who have great ideas or are doing more things. Like I have a friend who goes to another quote unquote secular college and spends an hour learning Dafyomi every day. And I think that's amazing. I don't do that. It would be cool if I did. Am I going to get there? Unlikely, but I think it's important to keep that vision in your head of what you're striving for. Okay. So yeah, thank you so much again for coming on. Thank you for having me. It was so nice to have Tawny join me for this episode, but that's not the end. Each one of you are navigating college in your own way and have so much you can give to others. I look forward to continuing this dialogue with our next guest, and if you would like to come on the show, please reach out to me through the email in the show description. Thank you so much for listening, and I really hope you could take something away. Until next time, Amir Ta Hashem on Just a Jew in the College.